Uh, today's a cool day, and uh, I'm just going to unpack a lot of my heart uh, here for just a couple of minutes before we dive into the, the scriptures. Uh, right after Easter, it's, uh, it's an exciting time. It's just been an exciting past six months in the life of our church. God's just been doing a lot in us um, and through us. I, I've been thrilled. I'm going to share just uh, later in the service just how God's been using us even financially to bless missionaries and church planners uh, and, and all across the globe. And, and so I'm going to just kind of testify about some of that stuff later on today. But I'm thrilled about what God's doing. And anytime God's just doing amazing things in and through our body, I really believe the enemy's going to come against that. And so uh, the next four weeks, I'm just going to be starting a new series and unpacking uh, some things that I really have God's put on my heart that I really believe that the enemy is going to try to use and he's probably already used in your life uh, and going to continue to, um, to to kind of distract us. And if he can't distract us, um, or, or if, he, if he can't um, deceive us, he'll distract us. And so we're going to do a series called The Elephant in the Family Room. The Elephant in the Family Room, because a lot of times we sweep things under the rug for a long time, and it's time to just uncover some of those things and just unpack them, talk about them from the scriptures. Uh, and, and so this whole idea of elephant in the family room, I think it, we have to start with an understanding of what family is, and that family's not this side kind of thing um, to God's plan, but it's at the very center of his plan. If we just kind of go back to the very beginning with Adam and Eve, right, he, God, you know, creates Adam and he gives him some time to work on his five-year business plan, right? Isn't that what? No, he didn't do that. And then, you know, he looked at Adam and he said, you're awesome. You are completely awesome. No, he said, no, this isn't good that you're alone. And he creates Eve. And before Eve thought she was the answer to all of life's problems, they have this massive failure, um, the fall of man. And in this, they begin to discover each other. Uh, they realize that they were naked and they begin to look at each other and they're like, hey, you're convex where I'm concave. There's a purpose to this. There's a, a reason for the, our nakedness here. And they probably disco- discovered pleasure. Um, and they understand the deep purpose of procreation, that there was a purpose in this marriage. And then after a little while, and she started getting sick in the morning, they realized, oh, wait, my belly's getting bigger, and it's not because of the fruit in the garden. I'm sick for a reason. You think Eve was sick? She probably had morning sickness. Um, and so slowly but surely they, they realized, oh, wow, I've just birthed a child. This was insane. And she, at that time they realized, man, this is so deep. And God established family. So many times we can think family is an afterthought, uh, maybe in God's plan, but it's at the very center and the core of God's plan is the family. But the truth of the matter is that like, there is a large attack on the family. And, and for, for many of us, we feel like it's a personal attack, right? Everybody, like whether it's aunt and uncles or it's your mom and dad or if it's you, your husband and, or your wife that you've been going through and you've been struggling with, you feel like it's an attack on your personal family, but it's, it's, it's really an attack that's happening across, um, uh, across lines. I mean, we see an attack on the family through legislation, through politics, we see an attack on the family through business, right? You got to choose your family or you got to choose your job. We see an attack in media where there's this redefining of something, and we don't have the right to redefine something that we didn't define originally. And God defined it originally, uh, defined the family, and gave great deep purpose 
to us in family. And so I want to start with that kind of framework and what we're talking about. And if we look into the scriptures as a whole, we look to the garden and we look to Israel and then we look further and we look into the church. You know what we see? We see family, we see family, we see family. And that family is not some afterthought. Family is at the very core of God's plan. And so it's very important that we protect and have a, not only kind of an understanding of the depth of that, and we'll actually be doing kind of deeper teachings just on family in the month of May. Uh, but today I want to talk about some of those elephants that are, are, are maybe destroying our home families. Maybe they're kind of working their way into our work families, our church family. I want to unpack those today. And we're going to talk about anger today. You might have even seen me post it. I don't know why I'm so excited to talk about anger and uh, I just want, I had this buddy uh, a long time ago, um, and instead of getting angry, he would just shout the word anger, and that was kind of how he got it out, or when he was frustrated, he'd go, frustration, and he'd just let it out, and so I want to, we're going to start, we're going to get a lot of anger out today, and so I just want you to, to scream the word anger with me and let some of it out. All right, you ready? One, two, three. Anger! Wow. Wow, that's way more than any amen or hallelujah we've ever gotten in this room. Come on, let's be honest. We got a lot more anger than we got amens. So, um, so we're going to unpack this um, because it's so important and it's, it's ruining marriages. It's ruining um, just a sense of peace in our own lives. Uh, there's a lot of things that, it, that it's led to, and the, the beautiful thing, and, and I think one of the reasons that I'm so excited is I love, I love God's Word in that um, we don't, sometimes we feel like we're wandering through this life and trying to figure stuff out, but God's Word is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it can cut straight into our hearts, where we will try to lie, the Scriptures won't let us lie, it'll cut right into the truth of who we are, and there's so much practical stuff that the scriptures give us, particularly on this topic. And so I want to unpack that. Uh, and, and, and I think as the day goes on, I'll leak a lot of my story because most of you find me to be pretty chill, uh, especially when I had super long hair and everybody thought I was um, Mr. Hippie. Um, but uh, I, I've had a lot of anger issues um, as a young child. I don't know why. Like, things were pretty good for me most of the time. But I just, I, I just uh, kept a lot of deep resentment and pain inside of me, and so it's taken a long time um, for me to, to really begin to be whole in this area, and God's still doing a, a new work in me, even in this season, even as I prepare for this. He's just working deeper and deeper, and so uh, I can tell that you, you have some anger issues too by how well you really shouted anger uh, a few minutes ago, and so we're going to unpack this. I want to turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. Ephesians 4, 26, 27. Um, seven says this in your anger do not sin do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold that's all we're going to look at today we're going to bounce around to several other places supporting scriptures but that's our main text just those two verses and so if you've followed and listened to me preach for any amount of time, you know that sometimes I can take an entire chapter and preach it in 25 minutes, and other times I can take one verse and preach it for 45. So I feel like this is going to be one of those, that I've just got a lot on my heart, a lot of content that's going to come out, but hopefully it's going to be helpful to you. First thing is that anger can easily lead to sin. Come on, you've, you've had that before. Um, 
we can go back to some times where we were just really mad, and we don't even know what we were mad about, but it just it led us straight to sin. Uh, but he says it right here, in your anger, do not sin. And so Paul is talking to the church at Ephesus here. And many, it's important, some of us have a background in kind of how the scriptures were formed and, and what they're written in. Paul is, is writing in Greek, and he's reading something known as the Septuagint, which is it's the, the Greek translation of the Hebrew text, the original text. It's been translated into Greek so that people could read it at that time. And so he's reading from the Septuagint, but he's pointing us back to the Hebrew text here. Because he's quoting Psalm chapter 4. From Ephesians 4, he's quoting Psalm chapter 4. And I want to spend some time with what he's pointing to. And it's important that we look at the actual Hebrew words that he, he's looking at here. So uh, Hebrew, or, um, excuse me, Psalm chapter 4, it's a psalm of David. And uh, when I was 15, I got my first guitar. And I started writing songs, like super, super bad songs. And I don't mean like dirty, like they just were not good songs. They just weren't good. I've read them back, I can assure you, they were not good songs. Um, not because of their content, but just their construction. They were just terrible. And one of the things about songwriting is you have to like pick a voice. Like if you're going to write in first person, write in first person. If you're going to write in third person, write in third person. No one does second person, or no one really knows what it is. Um, <laughs> But you can't do all of them. And, and so one of the things about that, though, I remember as a 15-year-old kid, music was my way to just kind of let it out. You ever, some, we all find an outlet, whether that be sports or music or art or whatever we might be into, find a way to let it out. That was my place to kind of let it out. And even though it was terrible and I was writing in first, second, and third, and fourth person, whatever that is, we were, I was writing in all these different forms. And that's kind of what we see in David here. Um, that he's angry. Uh, David's writing, and he's upset. And so we find him, he's talking to God, he's talking to people, he's talking to himself, he's talking about God. He's, he's kind of all over the place, but it's kind of just this beautiful kind of context of the inner thoughts and inner workings that I think all of us can very closely relate to, particularly on this topic. So verse 1, he's talking to the Lord, and he's like, oh God, God of my righteousness. So he's calling out to the Lord. Verses 2 and 3 He's talking to men. He's like, how long will you sons of men? Like, we feel like he's about to cuss. And he's like, you sons of men. Like, how long are you going to continue in this? And you're like, putting me to shame. And how much are you going to, how long are you going to continue to talk trash about me? Is basically what he's saying. In verse 3, David begins to talk to himself. Right? When we get angry, you ever have to give yourself a pep talk? Kyle, don't do what you did last time. Do not, do not throw the iron. Do not throw the iron. You give yourself a pep talk. Look in the mirror. Whatever you have to do. He's giving himself a little bit of pep talk, and, and while we can kind of maybe joke at the idea of him giving himself a pep talk, what he says in these verses are so practical and so life-giving when it comes for us dealing with anger. Um, and, and this is what he begins to unpack, and then he's going to come back and he's going to talk about God's blessing. I'll, I'll mention that in a minute. But he talks to himself, and he, and he says this, and it depends what translation some translations, it's the, it's the Hebrew word regaz, which means to stand in awe or to tremble uh, in your, like, fear or rage. Like, but to tremble. Like, you ever been, like, so mad, like, you're shaking? You ever been so afraid that you're shaking? Like, that's the kind of word and emotion that he's pointing to. And he, he says, be angry. He's talking to himself. He's looking in the mirror. Be angry, but don't sin. I think one of the problems that we deal with is that we don't feel like we have the right to be angry or we've been told to suppress that anger or not to let it out or we haven't been taught to how to actually deal with it. 
right? Isn't our kind of society just very obvious that we don't know how to deal with our anger and that we're like shooting one another and like ripping each other's, you know, protesting stuff up. And it's just, we can look to so many different, whether you're looking to the terrorist or you're looking to the cop or you're looking to the mom and the dad in Walmart, like whatever we're looking at, we realize that as a society, we don't really know how to deal with this anger and like the brokenness that we're seeing in the world. And what Paul is pointing us to is like, there is a way David gives us some really good, healthy, practical tips to do this. And first, you have the the right to be angry. It's okay to be angry, but that never gives you a license to sin. Right? And when we've been done wrong, when someone said something about us, what rises up in us is what we feel like is a right. We've been done wrong. We need to right this wrong. And and we're going to end... And the answer to this question that I'm kind of setting up here will end with this. And God, God answering that um, and him, his anger being more important than ours, we'll get there. But do, be angry and don't sin. We never have a license to sin. We never have a license to sin. This is something that Paul actually refers to in the New Testament. He's like, what should we do because grace abounds? Should we keep sinning? No, 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 we shouldn't. We never have that license to sin. I, I think the most visual thing that I've that has made an impact on me and, and for me reminding myself when I find myself wanting to treat myself to my anger and like, no, I deserve this. I deserve it. I've been done wrong enough. Like, I'm going to go tell them what I think. I've been walked on long enough. I'm over it, right? And like, we feel like now I'm taking my license to sin. And what we do in that is, and this is kind of um, heavy language, but we spit on the cross. We look at it like, thanks, bro. And we spit on it. And that's what it means to take a license to sin by the grace we've been given. We should never, in our anger, never have a, 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 we never have a license to sin. So we can be angry. It's okay. Uh, but, but we never have that license to sin. He, he continues on. And he says, meditate in your heart, on your bed, and be still. This is where it gets good. Meditate on your bed, in your heart, right? Don't just let it out, right? And, and you know, very reactionary. Like someone says it to you and like, I'm going to tell you exactly what I think right now. And, and David's looking at himself. He's like, think about this. Think this through <laughs> before you let it out, before you make a fool of yourself. Look in the mirror. Meditate this within your heart on your bed. And, and the on your bed thing is really important. We can point back to when Paul is referring and saying, don't let the sun go down on you. And then later we'll talk about some other things with that. Um, but he says, meditate within your heart, because I don't know if you're like me, but you ever been on the phone with customer service? And if Yolanda transfers me one more time, so help me, Yolanda, I'm coming through this phone, right? You ever been, you ever been there, and you're just getting frustrated and more mad, and like my wife clocks me at 13 miles an hour, lapping the house, she clocks me in, and, and the hardest thing for me to do is like, when I'm mad, it's like, I want to let it out, and he's saying, meditate within your heart. Go lay on your bed. I know you're mad. I know you're ready to run a marathon with this adrenaline that's pumping through your uh, blood right now. But you just need to lay on your bed and be still. And he uses the word meditate. And we, we don't talk about this much in the church. And, re- and because we don't talk about it, the only kind of understanding or truth we have on meditation is like an Eastern understanding or a very kind of spiritualized idea, um, kind of a, a new age idea of, which is not a new age, it's super old age, of meditation. An Eastern idea of meditation is that we clear the mind and the soul of everything. 
right? I'm not going to think about this. I'm just going to take everything and I'm going to take it all out, right? Even sometimes when we're like breathing. You guys remember uh, the show Family Matters? You guys remember that show Family Matters? Uh, you remember uh, Carl Winslow and Urkel would come in and he'd make them so mad. And there was this one that he had to go to like anger management classes or like a counselor and they were teaching him to breathe and to count. One, two, three, four. Four, two, three. And he kept doing this, and it was not working. He was still getting angry, and it just made him more and more mad the more he did this. And meditation is different. It's, it's, it's more than just kind of counting and, and getting everything out of us and our, our, our soul and our mind. A Christian kind of meaning of meditation is to not just eliminate everything, but to fill our lives, to fill our mind, to fill our hearts with God's truth. Right? And so when we're feeling the rage that we're feeling about what someone has said about us, what's the wrong that's been done to us in the world, instead of just trying to eliminate that and flush all that down the toilet, toilet which is really tough to do, it's filling ourselves with God's truth. It does not matter what they say about me. This is what Christ says about me. It is not, I'm, I'm not defined by what's happened to me. I'm defined by who Christ. And so it's filling ourselves with God's truth. It's a difference between an Eastern version of meditation and the Christian version of meditation. That we fill ourselves, we meditate on, on God's truth, we meditate on the scriptures. And so that's why it's so important to have them to, to be able to refer to. So meditate within your heart and, and be still. And that's the toughest thing to do uh, when we're angry, at least for me, because I just, I, I want to do laps. But he's saying, lay on your bed. Think this through. Don't let it out so quick that you make a, a great mistake. And he further encourages himself that, that continue in the, the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. Like, practice the, the sacrifices of the, um, of the religious. Like, do continue. Like, sometimes um, when we're angry, we're just like, I just got to get rid of all this, this stuff. I need to eliminate all the people out of my life. I need to stop doing this. And, and it's, it's just going to be me and Jesus. And he's saying, look, continue in this. Continue in this practice. Uh, continue keeping your hand to the plow, to what God's put in front of you to serve him. Whether that be whatever kind of church kind of stuff you want to fill in the blank with there. He says, and trust in the Lord. That just because you're doing that stuff is, is not going to fill. It's not going to fill you. It's trusting the Lord and the two work hand in hand. Do you have that one up there, Corey? That third one? Yeah, offer sacrifices to the righteous and trust in the Lord. That's what he continues to say there in verses 4 and 5. All right, And then he, he kind of closes out 6 through 8. And he begins to talk about the blessings of the Lord that, that come from this this time with the Lord. And he says, you're going to give me peace so I can sleep at night. You ever been so mad, had something on your brain that you just cannot sleep because you're just like, I, I, I can't deal with this. Like, we've all been there. And he's saying, God, you give me that peace. You give me that sense of safety that I don't feel in myself. And I love this line that he says in verses, I think, seven. You put gladness in my heart. Like, come on, that's big when we're so mad and we can't deal with this stuff and we're up late at night and we get that moment to just meditate with the Lord and we say, God, but you put gladness in my heart. When I'm furious about the brokenness, when I'm so hurt by what's been done to me, you put gladness in my heart. That's so powerful. And he's just talking of this incredible blessing of God. we got to be careful because anger can easily turn into sin. And, and next, he... Uh, day, uh, we go back to Ephesians 4, verse 26, um, and we, we find that um, don't let the sun go down on your anger, and we, we find that Paul is quoting Elton John. Um, <laughs> do I need to sing it for you? Let's all sing it. 
Don't let the sun go. You guys did way better before. Let's try that one more time. Don't let the sun. Come on. I need somebody to sing with me. Forget you guys. You didn't leave me hanging on anger, but you just left me hanging hardcore. George Michael sing it before Elton John? Sorry, I only know the Elton John one. Um, He's telling us something. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And where before we were, he was pointing to the Hebrew text in Psalms. This time he's actually using a, a Greek term, the, the, the Greek word orgaizo. And it's, I think, really powerful to understand what this word means. That the word that he uses for anger here is that it actually means to provoke or to arouse anger. Think about this for a second. To provoke or to arouse anger. Don't let the sun go down on your orgaizo. Don't let it go down Because what's going to happen when you let that sun go down? What happens when we don't resolve things quickly? When we don't resolve our anger quickly, what happens? It just provokes. It arouses more anger. It just festers. Heard this story probably 15 years ago about a marathon runner who was at the starting gate and he felt something in his shoe and he just kind of wiggled. He felt something in his shoe. He was getting ready to take off. And, And if any of you did the Gate River Run, like there's just thousands of people there. And he's getting ready to take on. He feels something in his shoe, but he's like, I can't do it now. Like, I'm going to be left behind. And you're just in the crowd, people. It's difficult to do. He takes, <clears throat> he takes off running. And he goes, and he starts to feel pain a few miles in. And he's like, oh, ignore, ignore it and just push through. And he keeps feeling this little something. He doesn't know what it is in his shoe. After he gets to the very end of a marathon, right, with this little thing in his shoe, he's in excruciating pain, can barely finish the race, Pulls it out, and there's this tiny little pebble in his shoe. Like, man, what a miserable, miserable day. Well, long story short, uh, he kind of it gets a sore. It continues to fester. It was infected. He ends up getting gangrene, ends up having his, his foot cut off. Like, terrible story, I know. But it comes back to a simple point is don't let things fester. They can cost you way more than what you think. Um, that anger, Paul is telling us, anger has got to be resolved quickly. <coughs> Don't let the sun go down on your anger or geyser because it's just going to provoke. It's just going to make you more angry. Um, and and I, what I find is that I do a lot of premarital counseling and, and counseling in general and know that this is something that we're all dealing with. And, and what I've found is that many times our MO is whatever we've grown up around. Um, and even like when we put our foot in the ground and be like, I'm not going to be like my mom. I'm not going to be like my dad. And then that one day we hear ourselves saying what mom or dad said. Or, you know, uh, discipline my kids that way or whatever it might be. And so we continue to find ourselves um, kind of caught in this. And something that Paul is talking about earlier, just before 26 and 27 here. He's characterizing the old life kind of the, the old self and with the new self. And he's kind of showing this contrast that, look, after we come in uh, to, to being followers of Jesus, like the old has passed away and the new has come spiritually, but we have to put away like all the old practices. And it's characterized by lust, by futility, by ignorance. So many things that he, he, he lays out there. And the new self is characterized by holiness and righteousness. And so when it comes to our anger, like, and not letting it sin and dealing with it, the new way we're to be dealing with this is to not let it fester, to resolve it quickly. But it's so much easier. Some of our MOs is to just, like, spout off right then, tell you what's on my mind. Others of us, it's just to stuff it, 
It's to stuff it. It's to stuff it. Not going to deal with that now, whether that's sweeping it under the rug. Uh, we have, we're like big recyclers at our house. We love to recycle. We got one of the big city cans. And uh, when we fill it up, I get Beckett to just jump on it. And I hold his hands, and he just jumps on it and stuffs it down. But imagine doing that. That's like a big, heavy plastic can. Imagine doing that with uh, garbage, like with just a plastic bag. And that's kind of what we do with our anger is we just stuff it. We jump on it. Nope, not going to deal with that now. Nope, not going to deal with that tomorrow either. Nope, not going to deal with that next. And we never deal with it. Stuff since we've been, we were kids that happened to us, things that happened when we were middle school, high school, as adults. Last year, this past week, we just, we stuff it and we don't deal with it. And, and, and Paul is pointing out, like, th- that's not a practice in the new self, that we're supposed to be walking in holiness and righteousness. And as that example said, it's going to fester, it's just going to provoke more anger, and it's going to end up costing you. And so you, you may be in the house and be like, all right, that's great, man, but how do I go from this place of like this old kind of mentality and maybe what I've grown up around or what's just my, is my MO now, however I got it, and then how do I walk into the, the, this new way of life? And I want to point us to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and it says, don't be conformed anymore to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing and perfect will. That there's a transformation that happens in a renewing of our mind because we are overwhelmed by the things that have been put in there uh, through our upbringing, through society, through the things we've gone through, and we haven't resolved them. We haven't dealt with them. We haven't been made new in our mind. And I want to give you three quick prayers that I feel like can really help you in unpacking these things, identifying them, allowing God to heal them, and then really coming to a place of, of relearning, of renewing our mind. And here's the, the three prayers. I think a renewing of the mind prayers. One is, Holy Spirit, help me identify the root causes of my anger. Sometimes the divorce happened over the toothpaste, right? The argument with my boss happened over the stapler. And let's be honest, it was never about the toothpaste. It was never about the stu- stapler. Right, That anger that was there was never really about that. Sometimes when we spout off and we let the anger, it's not about that. It's about other things that we've been compressed and we haven't dealt with. And I think the prayer there is, God, help me identify. Holy Spirit, help me identify the root causes of my anger. I remember one time I found myself crying about something. And I was like, gosh, what, where in the world is this coming from? And I found myself praying this prayer, God, help me identify where this is coming from. Do you guys remember the old cartoons like Tom and Jerry? You ever see the one where uh, they see like a little sparkling wick and he comes running to it and it would be Tom that's picking up the wick and he begins to chase it and he begins to trace it around and he's falling everywhere and his eyes are just down and finally he looks up and there's this giant bomb and there's Jerry laughing over in the corner. Right, so that, That's kind of what this process is. God, help me identify where this wick is. Let's keep tracing it. Let me keep praying this prayer, God, until you lead me to this place of why I'm so stinking angry all the time and why the littlest things send me off. Come on, somebody with me today? Is this speaking to anybody? Help me identify. Um, secondly, I, I believe it's unlearning and, and, and healing. I, I believe those are kind of in the same thing. i gotta, I got to unlearn some behaviors that I, I've learned, that I've picked, on, picked up on, that I've just made habits. 
just made habits. So sometimes I catch myself, um, I, I don't raise my voice often, um, but sometimes my kids, like, you know, if you, for those of you that have kids, like, they just get to you, and you're like, bro, stop yelling in the house. And I find myself, like, yelling at him, stop yelling in the house. And I'm yelling in the house. I'm like, it's so stupid. And I, I found that, and I'm, like, having to unlearn that behavior where I'm just getting to the point where I'm like, I can't have it anymore. Stop yelling, you know. And so I'm having to unlearn that. And so I think the prayer for us, Holy Spirit, Heal the hurts of my past and, and, and make me whole. God, kind of renew my mind. Help me heal the things of the past and not walk in, in, in that way, but lead me and make me whole in the truth. So I think it's kind of a, an unlearning process, unpacking the, the behaviors that are really coming out of that and then allowing the Holy Spirit to make us whole in that so that we won't kind of result to that anymore. Identify, unlearn, and heal. And then I feel like it's relearning. It, it's and I think these are not, like, in that order necessarily. I think the identification is very important early. But I think they're all kind of one and the same, that these are prayers that we're just praying all the time. God, teach me. Teach me what it means to walk in your truth for my, my life. And it's constantly reaching out to the Scripture to say, speak to me, Father. It's constantly during the day, God, don't let me go down that path again. God, speak your truth into my life. Help me to grasp these things. And, and we begin to relearn. We begin to... Uh, commit them to memory, and it becomes who we are over some time. Just like the addictive behaviors that have taken over our lives so many times, they become who we are. The positive behaviors, putting God's truth in our life, becomes who we are over a time. And so we continue to do that. Anger's got to be resolved quickly. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. It's just going to provoke. It's just going to arouse anger even more. We can't afford to do that. Anger can easily turn into sin. Anger must be resolved quickly. And then verse 27 uh, says this. Um, it says, don't give the devil a foothold. Right? That sounds like a super old King James version um, for some of us. And we're like, what's a foothold? And it's simply an opportunity. If I asked you, you could have a, a meal, who would you want to sit at that table with you? And I, I, I doubt you'd say the devil. <laughs> and many times, when we let anger fester, we give the devil an opportunity. The, kind of the word here, the idea, is a seat at the table, an opportunity to speak. And what do you think the devil's going to do with that opportunity, right? He's going to give it as an opportunity to stir up hatred. He's going to give it an opportunity to stir up resentment for pride to build up in you. He's going to use that. He's going to maximize that opportunity to the very best degree. While we're working to minimize our anger, the devil's working to maximize it. When we give him an opportunity, when we let the sun go down on that anger, we give him an opportunity just to continue, and it festers. And at some point, the foot's going to get cut off. At some point, the bag's going to break after we've stuffed it down enough. And there's far greater ramifications than what we think. So while we're working to minimize it, the devil's working to maximize it, but we can't afford to minimize it. We've got to just resolve it. We've got to just resolve it. Can't afford to just minimize it because he's going to take every single opportunity. And the truth of the matter is that it takes far less energy to actually resolve the, the, the anger than it does to manage it. Right? Those little things that we got mad at that just build up, like that would have been so easy to be like, hey, 
I really hate the way you do your toothpaste. <laughs> like, we, me and my wife, like, argue about really stupid things. For those of you that are married in the house, you, you, you get this. Um, like, folding laundry. We were joking about it this week that she's got her way of folding laundry and how I've, I've given in and I've followed her way of doing laundry. And I have some things that I'm, I'm quite certain they're the best way to do it. Quite certain. They're very effective. They're very efficient. She does not buy in. She does not buy in. She's the professional when it comes to laundry in her house. So I've given over to all the, I'm like, babe, this is a really good way. And uh, it's so funny that we can let just the littlest things begin to build, um, and, but we don't need to minimize them. We, we need to bring them out. We need to deal with them, and we need to resolve them. And it's, it's crazy that actually resolving them takes a lot less energy than what it takes to manage them over time. I mean, just think about how many sleepless nights you've had because you haven't dealt with that thing that would have been a 30-second conversation. That would have been a 15-minute conversation, and now it's festered, and it's growing, and now you just, like, are bitter towards that person. Like, you just can't stand to be around them. You can't stand to look at them because you've just got this wedge there that you've allowed to grow, like a mold underneath the carpet that's just growing and growing. You ever do that in your house, and you smell something? Come on. You smell, you're like, what is that? I don't know where that came from. And then you kind of go with it for a week. And then it takes you 15 seconds to, when you're like, all right, I actually got to find this. Where is this at? You find it. It took you 15 seconds to actually find it. When you stop, you slow down and figure it out what it was. I have greater ramifications than, than what we think. I think about all the pain kind of we, we have in our world today. I saw this article of, um, of a police officer, and, and you, you know as well as I do, the good far outweigh the, the bad apples out there. But this particular guy... Um, down, I think it was down here in Florida at a, at a hotel, and uh, he's being charged for murder, this cop is, because he shot a man who was unarmed and was begging for his life. They have it on camera. He, the man was begging for his life, completely unarmed. I have no idea what went on in the case, um, but I think we would all agree it doesn't matter. If a person is unarmed, begging for their life, you, you don't have the license to sin because you're, you're angry, right? And so many of us, there's so many examples of that, of, of that anger that's happening in us, and we feel like it might even be righteous anger sometimes, that there's a reason for me to, to be angry, but they have greater ramifications than what we think, that when we give the devil a foothold, we begin to, it begins to spiral out of control into a place that we never intended for it to be. Um, it's going to take you farther than you, you wanted it to go. Um, it's going to cost you more. And so there's far greater ramifications than what we think, so it's important that we deal with it. Don't take the license to sin. Ang- anger uh, has been a very personal thing for me because I have. I, I've, I've um, dealt with it for a long time. I was a, a stuffer for many, um, for many years, especially as a young man. And uh, there was going to be one person one day who said something to me at the wrong time, and that would be the person that I punched. <laughs> Right, and it, I would just stuff and stuff and stuff, and then finally I got to a place uh, where I'm like, I, I just can't deal with this. I've got to trace this out. I've got to find find what's going on with that. I want to um, briefly kind of turn our attention to three questions you could or should be asking, and we're, and we're going to close out here. Three questions you could or should be asking. One is is where is this anger coming from? That's the big one. We, we've covered that one. What's the real reason I'm angry? Help me to unpack that, God. Pray that prayer. Uh, this is rarely about this is really rarely about this. This is usually about that. So it's important to unpack it and really find that out. Ask that question today. Secondly, you, you, you might be asking this: like, what about righteous anger, though, man? There's is there is there a reason 
what, how are we supposed to deal with righteous anger? I, I found this quote that's really, uh, I think, says it really well, better than I could. If our anger motivates us to seek solutions, address injustices in a productive way, underline that one, and heal the damage that has been done to a relationship, then that anger can be righteous and healthy. That there's actually positive ways for us to deal with that righteous anger. If it's to address injustices in a productive way and heal the damage that's been done to a relationship. And then lastly, what about God's anger? Some of us, we view God and we believe that God is angry. And it's hard to unpack that, right? Between the loving God who's also angry, like so is he like half smiling and half upset? Does he have lightning bolts in his hand or not? That's what I really want to know. And does he have a long white beard? Like what's, <laughs> come on, those are the questions we're asking sometimes. Um, what about God's anger? Is God angry? Um, J.I. Packer, a theologian, said this. Do you have that quote for me? God's wrath in the Bible is never capricious. It's never self-indulgent. It's never irritable. It's morally ignoble thing that human anger so often is. It is instead a right and necessary reaction to objective moral evil. God doesn't get angry like we do. And it's not... You know, like when we come up with our truth, like our truth of what happened in that incident, God doesn't have a side, like he is the truth. He is the way, the truth, the life. And so his anger is always just. His anger is always just. Where ours is sometimes self-indulgent, irritable, a morally corrupt thing, his is always righteous. And we may not understand that and may never will on certain things, but his is always, always just. And secondly, God's anger is satisfied. His wrath is satisfied in Christ. And so we put ourselves holy in Christ today. Read Romans 5 with me and we'll close. Since we've now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Been justified through his blood. That means we're no longer on the right, wrong side of this thing, that God's anger has been satisfied in Christ. That if he saved us through his blood, even more so are we saved from his anger through his wrath. And I know across this room, every single one of us have to confront anger, if not on a daily basis, on a weekly, monthly basis. We have to deal with it. And, and I want to tell you that it's, it's okay. As David said, look in the mirror, be angry, just don't, don't let it go into sin. Pray that more than anything, we, we find ourselves in a place of, of rejoicing today. And God putting gladness in our heart and our anger. As we lay down our bed, we meditate on his truth for our life. If anyone has the right to be angry, it's Jesus Christ. He was spat on. He was betrayed. He was persecuted and crucified for sins he did not commit. Even the leaders, even the the governor and the Sanhedrin, they brought him forward and they could not charge him with anything. They got nothing. We're like, we're washing our hands like he's not guilty. Even their highest leaders were like, he's not guilty. If anybody had a right to be angry, Jesus did. He laid on that cross and he said, don't count their sins against them, for they know not what they do. He looked over to a man and he says, you want to see me? That had, had, been, had done so much wrong, probably through anger, unresolved anger, and had rolled out in so many other ways. And he brought healing it was never about him getting his way. He said, not my will, but yours be done. If this cup can be passed from me, that would be amazing. 
He said, but I'll do it. If anybody had a right to be angry, he did. He took the cross for us. I want you to stand, and I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to invite us to the table. God, I just take a deep breath in your presence this morning. And I thank you that, thank you for Jesus who endured the cross and who were found clean today because of his sacrifice. God, I pray in this moment that you would help us identify the, the root causes of this anger, God, and, and help us to just stop going to sleep every night and letting this fester. But God, help us to come to solutions to address these injustices. Help to provide healing to the damage that's been done to our relationships. God, so many of us may be overwhelmed by guilt, things that our our anger have led us to do or to say in our life. But God, I pray today that you would have a a removal of that shame. That's not who we are. It's the old self, God. And, And just a desire and a working of your spirit, God, that would lead us to holiness, would lead us to righteousness today. God, that this was never about our anger being satisfied. Because ours is just selfish and self-indulgent many times. And silly. But God, yours is always just. We thank you for Jesus, who's made a way that we can have a relationship with you today. We thank you for the peace. We thank you for placing gladness in our hearts today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.